You know, I was thinking, we, we paid a visit to someone yesterday, uh, a very dear friend. And it was quite a challenging time for me yesterday. And those of us who went to visit. But it made me think about a lot of things. And this particular verse in the Bible came back to me because of, we were kind of joking around a little. And uh, I said, I got to get home. I said, I don't, I don't have anything on paper. I don't know what I'm going to be preaching. And this person was so encouraging. And he said, it's not 11.59 yet. It's okay, you got time. But I was thinking about a verse in the scripture that most of us were taught in Sunday school. I remember this verse being taught to me when I went to the little Methodist church. When my mom, when we first came to Florida, I was seven years old. <clears throat> but I also remember sharing this verse to loved ones on their deathbed. I remember sharing it with my mother and my father in their last days. A remark, it's a remarkable verse because even in society we see it. We see it on, in crowds at athletic events. And it's known by more people, this particular verse, than any other verse in the Bible. And contains a, enough love for all of us. It contains enough sacrifice for all of us. It contains invitation enough for all of us. And it also contains life. That is long enough for all of us. Matter of fact, the entire gospel comes into focus in this verse. God's love is not static or self-centered. It reaches out and it and draws others in. And here, this particular verse, God sets a pattern of true love. The basis of all love relationships. When you love someone dearly, you're willing to give to them freely. To the point of sacrifice. This particular verse I'm talking about this morning, you can take and go to your Bibles and find it, but I know each one of you in this room already know it. And it's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a very powerful scripture. You see, God paid dearly with the life of his son. The highest price anyone could ever pay. Jesus accepted our punishment, paid the price for our sins, and offered us new life that he bought for us. You see, when we share the gospel with others, our love must be like Jesus. Willing to give up our own comfort and security 
so that others might join us in receiving God's love. You see, I don't think a lot of times we contemplate, we think on those, those issues. But this morning, I want us to rediscover, if we will, John 3.16. I know it's a very simplistic word, or very simplistic verse. But this morning, I thought, let's just break it down just a little bit. Let's, let's just uh, kind of, if you will, pick it apart. For God so loved the world... Have you ever thought about for a moment, what if God had not loved the world? None of us. I don't think anybody in this room has ever thought that way. What if God didn't love the world? We'd all be without hope. There would be no purpose in living. You see, some people are not interested in the idea of eternal life because their lives are simply miserable. And they can't even contemplate the fact of eternal life because they don't want to think about being miserable forever. They wouldn't want to go on forever. You see, but eternal life is not an extension of a person's mortal life. You see, in eternal life, there is no death, no sickness, no enemy, evil, or sin. When we don't know Jesus, we make choices as though life, this life, is all there is. You see, but when, we, but when we have Jesus Christ and we begin to think of eternal life, we don't think about misery. We don't think about sickness and bad health. You see, when we have Jesus Christ, we have the hope. We have the promises of the resurrection that we've seen. No matter what we have done, God so loves us all. You know, a lot of people find themselves in predicaments all the time. But if they would just stop for a moment and just begin to put blinders on and begin just to focus on the cross, not on the things that are going on around them, but just simply focus on the cross. It's amazing how quick we get back on track. And sometimes we have to put blinders on. Because the things that are going on around us, I can only imagine Karen because she worked where she works. I can only imagine the confusion and the people that get upset because they didn't follow the right rules. You see, when Christians don't follow the word of God, they find themselves in misery. They find themselves being discontented. They find themselves unhappy. But you see, when we focus on what is right and doing what is right, God is faithful and just. Even when we have stumbled and we have found ourselves 
unfocused on the Lord Jesus Christ. He enables us to be refocused and he forgives us of our sins and he brings us into that place of joy and contentment and happiness and love. You see, no matter what your position in life is, God loves us all. No matter how worthless you may feel. You see, some people, they actually feel worthless. Some people, and I've met a lot of Christians that say, you know, I don't know why God has me here. There's nothing else I can do. I'm worthless. That couldn't be further from the truth. You couldn't get a bigger lie from the devil himself if he was in writing it and putting it in your lap. Because you are priceless. You are a king. You are a child of the king. And he has, he has made you and he has destined you for his purpose. Even if it's just simply praying for other people. You can't get out. You can't do anything. Simply pray for other people. You know what you're doing? You can never say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I am worthless. Because then you're saying what you did on the cross was worthless. I could never bring myself to think that way. Or think that I'm worthless because then I'm saying that what Jesus did on the cross was not good. God sent his son to pay a price for you that you could never pay yourself. He gave his only begotten son. He that gave his only begotten son. It, it brings into the birth of Bethlehem into these words. The sinless life of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, is mentioned in these words. The death of Jesus is in these words. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in these words. And when we begin to think about these words, we begin to know that God loved us so much that he gave us his son. Our lives were in such a wreck that it moved God to do something for us. <laughs> you know, I think about Noah and his family. God saw how corrupted the world became and how messed up it got so quickly that he began to search for a family. He began to search for a man that would be able to do what he needed done. And so he finds Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know what? If you stop and think about that for the morning, if you close your eyes and think about this just for a second, you found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, out in the wilderness, never seen rain, never seen water. Didn't know what it was to be a carpenter or a boat builder. Didn't know how to read blueprints. And God comes to him and tells him to build a boat. And he builds a boat. Builds a huge boat. 
This boat's got to be big enough to handle two of every animal. I'm still trying to figure out to this day why the cockroaches, spiders, and snakes were allowed on that boat. <laughs> they were there. I just don't know why. I think God could have made some provisions. And think about this, not just two snakes, but two of every kind of snake. That even makes it worse, doesn't it? That means there was a bunch of snakes on that boat. One just two spiders, but there was two of every kind of spider on the boat. I bet Noah's wife was fit to be tied. God had to put blinders on her eyes, gave her some kind of glasses she couldn't see out of. Because I surely don't think she was very happy about seeing spiders, snakes, and roaches on the boat. I don't know of too many ladies that like spiders, roaches, and snakes. This sufficient sacrifice for our sin, the Lamb of God sacrificed for us all. Matter of fact, John 1.19 says, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? Who art thou? And in 1 John 1, verses 7 and 9, but if you walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to clean us from all unrighteousness. Jesus cleanses from sin. This is what John 3.16 is talking about when he says, I have sent his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believeth in him. All our sins were laid upon him. Isaiah reminds us in 53, 5 and 6, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Think about that, church. Think about the sins of the world being placed upon one man. And how Jesus must have felt at that one moment in his life. When he looked to heaven and asked his father, why was he forsaken? That's a huge guilt trip. Our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. The one who is faithful witness and the begotten of the dead, the prince But whosoever believeth in him, whosoever is a word for us all, a word that is general yet particular, a word that embraces yet touches each one. This morning, can you say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? When you think about that word, I believe in him. You know what you're saying by faith? I'm believing in something I have not seen. 
I've never seen Jesus Christ, but yet I believe in him. Matter of fact, I believe in him so much that I've given him my heart. When a man and woman come together and they're united together, they become one flesh. But do you realize all of us have given our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and never have met him, never have spoken to him. Face to face. None of us were there when he was hung on the cross. We only hear about what happened. None of us seen him resurrected into heaven. But yet we believe in him. That's great faith. That's a faith that I know that no one can ever take from me. And it really grieves my heart a lot of times when I, when I see people who claim to be brothers and sisters in the Lord turn from their faith. <coughs> I did a funeral this week of a young lady. And while I was there, I was getting ready for the message and in came a Hindu priest. Big problems in Little China when it came to this guy. And I said, he said, I've come to do the last rites. And I'm like, last rites of who? And so I said, well, we got a problem. I said, because you can't speak here. (laughs) Oops. I guess you're not supposed to say that to a Hindu priest. You can't speak here. And he um, was taken back by my words. I said, this is a Christian funeral. This lady was a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. She renounced Hinduism years ago. When I mean years ago, I'm talking like 30 years ago. She renounced that faith. I said, so you, you can't. Well, some of her family are Hindu. I don't, I don't care what they are. This woman was a Christian. And so you have no place to speak here. Caused a little ruckus. The funeral did get started a little later than expected. But we did it without a Hindu priest. You see, church, sometimes Christians have to be bold, even in the most unopportune times, and we have to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus did on the cross was not to be imitated by anyone else. It was not to be put aside because... Somebody else needed to be appeased. We have to stay true to our faith. We have to stay, most of all, true to our Lord Jesus Christ. That whosoever believeth him, in him. You can actually write your name in that text. That we should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, our natural lifespan is really only 70 to 80 years on average, they still say, in the United States. That's our lifespan, so to speak.
But I don't know about you, but when I think about everlasting life, I think it's far better than the life that I have right now. Because it's going to be a life without sickness. It's going to be a life without pain. It's going to be a life without death. I'll never have to worry about the dark again. I don't have to worry about making sure the light's on for the dog. Because the light's always going to be on. It's incredible. There's going to be no night. The Son of God will be so bright that that it'll be bright all the time. I won't need glasses to see. (coughs) Some of us won't need walkers to get around. You won't have to worry about food because there'll be plenty of it there. So here then, (coughs) for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To believe is more than to give intellectual agreement that Jesus is God. It means to put our trust and our confidence in him that he alone can save us. It is to put Jesus in charge of our present life. You see, when you put Jesus in charge of your present life, you don't have to worry about what's going on because you're trusting him. You're putting him in charge. You can't let others be in charge of your life. Jesus has to be in charge. And I'm going to just tell you this morning, church, if Jesus is not in charge of your life, then you need to stop what you're doing and get back on your knees and put him in charge. Because if he's not in charge, there's always going to be chaos. There's always going to be havoc. There's always going to be turmoil or melodrama, as some people would say. There's always going to be something going on. I'm telling you, church. Jesus has to be in charge. And when you put Jesus in charge, you're going to respond to things a lot differently. There are times that I'm challenged. The devil comes at me and he challenges me. Tries to get me upset. That's why they put horns on vehicles. You know, life is funny sometimes. And I think all of you can relate to this. I really do. Because I think a lot of us, a lot of times, we know that Jesus is in control, right? We know Jesus has control of our life. We know he always knows what he's doing. But I think there are times in our life that we get challenged. And the flesh takes over. Come on, that's true. I'm no different than you. 
just because I spent seven years in Bible studies to get a doctorate degree doesn't make me any more or less of a person who gets challenged by the devil than anybody else. But I think that we believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, I think we get challenged a little bit more than those who don't believe. You see, because those who don't believe, they don't know what a challenge is. They don't know what temptation is all about. They just think it's a part of life. Oh, a drink? Yeah, sure, I'll take a drink. Smoke? Yeah, I'll take some of the devil's lettuce. You know, whatever it is. They don't think it. <laughs> they don't know what that challenge is. They don't know what that temptation is. But for believers, it's a temptation. It's a try, And we have to... We, Come on, it's a struggle sometimes to stay focused on Jesus when people are just constantly coming at you trying to stir up those emotions that Jesus doesn't want you to share. All who respond in faith receive everlasting life. That's what I focus on. When I'm challenged... When I'm tempted, when my day is upside down, when things don't seem to be going right, I simply think about everlasting life. People say, what? That's right. I think about the prize that Jesus has set before me. And that's what I'm going for. Will challenges come? Yes. Will temptations come? Yes. Will I stumble? Yes. But you know what? I have an advocate. I have Jesus Christ who's going with me. In the midst of that fire, he's going with me. In the midst of that trial, he's going with me. So that when I come out, he is still there. He hasn't left me and said, oh, that trial was too much. I can't, I can't be a part of you. No. He loves us. No matter what your situation may be, no matter what you might be going through, he's always going to be there. Why? Because he has said that whosoever shall believe it in him shall have everlasting life. For he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Church, I don't know about you, but I am so glad that I am saved today. I am so glad that I have Jesus Christ in my life today. I know this message may not be really deep for a lot of us, but I believe that there are some watching today or watching this message that are going to gain something today. I don't know who it's for. Matter of fact, when I started, I thought it was for me. Because I had challenges yesterday. But I know that Jesus Christ, my, my Lord and my King, has gone to prepare a place for me that where He is, I will be also. I just kind of sometimes just close my eyes and visualize the carpenter himself just finishing up a few more little notches in my mansion and he's going to call me home. You see, when your mansion's complete, he's ready for you to move in. And I don't know about you, but there's going to be a day that he's going to have 
and they're all going to be finished at once. And all of us are going to be called home to be with him in the air. And I'm looking forward to that day. Because that's my hope. That's what I long to see. And that's what I live for. I trust this morning that if you know someone that's not living right, start praying for them. When you speak to them on the phone or you have a chance to write a card to them, just tell them about John 3.16. Because that is the foundation of where the gospel is. Father, I thank you this morning for each one that is here. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us your son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we know that you have not come to condemn the world. But Lord, you've come to seek and to save those who are lost. Lord, you're going to use your disciples, you're going to use your children, Father, to spread that message. And Lord, I pray today, let that message be very clear and very relevant in our lives today. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen, amen. and Amen. Let's stand together.